Today in our Midrash here, we're going to be taking a look at a Midrash or two in Megillah Rus, Midrash Rav and Megillah Rus. And on the handout that you have, the first part that I'm going to do is not on your handout. I'm just going to read it out loud. This is very interesting because we know that at the beginning of Megillah Rus, there was a famine, there was a Ro'av, and it was on account of that famine that Elimelech and Naomi and Machlon and Kilion left Eretz Yisrael and they went over to Moab. And then that starts the whole story there of eventually Ruth coming over, etc. So the first part again, it's not on your hand, I'm just going to read it out loud. The Midrash Rabbah says, this is in Os An, um, par, sorry, sorry, Parsha Aleph, Os Dalet, if you want to look it up when you get home. So it says, Vayhi Ra'av Ba'oretz, and there was a hunger in the land. Asora Ra'avon Ba'ula'olam. The Midrash says there were ten hungers, ten famines. The Mephorshim say there have been many more than ten famines in the history of the world. But what it means is that there are ten famines that are mentioned in Tanakh. And this is what they are. Echad Bimei Adam Harishon. One was in the days of Adam Harishon, which we're going to see what they all are momentarily. Echad Bimei Lamech. Later on in the, in the days of Lamech, immediately prior to the birth of Noah. Be'echad Bimei Avram. And there was a hunger in the days of Avraham Avinu when he went down to Mitzrayim on account of that. Ve'echad bimei Yitzchak. There was a hunger in the days of Yitzchak Avinu. He also went, and he went to Geror. Ve'echad bimei Yaakov, which was the famous hunger in the time of uh, the Jewish people. At that time, we had to go down to Mitzrayim. Ve'echad bimei Eliyahu. There was a hunger in the days of Eliyahu Hanavi. Ve'echad bimei Elisha. And then in the days of Elisha. Ve'echad bimei David. And there was a hunger in the days of David HaMelech. This is written out of chronological order. There's another place where this Midrash is written in Bereshis, because David HaMelech is prior to Eliyahu and Elisha. So there's a question as to why here it's, he's listed after Eliyahu and Elisha. It's not quite clear why. Ve'echad bimei shofot ha-shoftim. And one in the days of the judges. That's, that's our uh, Sefer Megillah Thurith, which begins with uh, the famine that they experienced there when Elimelech left Eretz Yisrael. This one is also out of order because that's the first one after uh, the ones in the Torah. The Shoftim were, bef- were before David HaMelech. So these last two, for some reason, are written of, out of order. Some want to say that they're highlighting the last one, Bimei Shafot HaShoftim, the one from Megillus Rus, because it's from Ksuvim, and none of the other um, hungers that are mentioned are from Kesuvim. They're all from Torah or Nevim. Then the last of the ten is Ve'echad Shemitzgalgel Ubala Olam. And one which is coming about into the world. And some of the Meforshim add the words here, La'asid Lavo, in the future, meaning in the days of Mashiach. So now the Midrash is going to list the source in Psukim for these ten famines. Echad Dimei Adam Harishon. The first one in the time of Adam, Shenemar, as it says, that the earth is cursed on account of you. And this is unusual because we know this is a result of the chet of Adam and Chava. And the way we think about that, which is correct, is that the, the earth was, was cursed forever. It's not just a hunger, but it changed the way man had to interact with the world. 
in order to get produce and wheat, now we have to plow and we have to seed and we have to reap. It's a whole big avoda. In Gan Eden, it was not like that. What the Midrash is saying, something else happened. In addition to that, which lasted forever, something else happened. There was Mamish a famine. That there was a time, at that time, when Hashem said to Adam that the earth is cursed, there was a of. I don't know how long it lasted. But maybe we have some resolution to that. Ve'echad lemech. Then there was a hunger in the time of Lemech. Now this is immediately prior to Noah. Shenemar, as it says, Minho Adoma Asher Eriro Hashem, from the ground which Hashem cursed. Now let me tell you the context of that Pasuk because it probably sounds familiar to you. So Lemech was the father of Noah. And it says there in Bereshis and Perakei that Lemech lived for Shtein Mushmonim Shana, 182, 182 years. He gave birth to a son who was Noah. And it says there, He called his name Noah, Lemur, saying, He will bring us comfort from that which we do. And from the sadness of our hands, of our activities. From the ground which Hashem has cursed. So what cursed are we, are we talking about? We tend to think that that's going all the way back to the curse of the earth from the time of Adam and Chava. That finally somebody comes who's Noah and he improves the conditions of the earth. And that's how some before Shem understand it. That Noah invented the plow. And as a result of the plow, farming became that much easier. However, our Midrash understands this differently. That when it says that now someone has come, his name is Noah, he'll bring us comfort from Ma'as Yodeinu, Min Hashem, from the ground which Hashem cursed. That means that there was a hunger in the time of Lemech. That his father, Noah's father, father Lemech, in his time there was a famine, a ra'av, and when Noah was born, they understood. They understood that through his birth, that famine would come to an end. So that's the second Rav. That's kind of a Chiddush for us, really, that there was a famine in the time of Odom HaRishon and a famine in the time of Lemech, right before Noah. That's not so well known. The other ones are much more well known because it's Beferish in the Torah, as we'll see. Okay, so those are the first two. Then, Ve'echad Vimei Avram. The third one was in the days of Avram Avinu, Shinamar. There was a hunger in the land, and Avram went down to Mitzrayim. Then in the time of Yitzchak, as it says, There was a hunger in the land besides the hunger in the days of Avram. There's another hunger in the days of Yitzchak, and then he goes to Elimelech and Gror. Then in the days of Yaakov, Avinu, Shinamar, it's the famous hunger in the time of Yosef HaTzadik and Paro. So there, there was a hunger for two years, supposed to be seven years, but when Yaakov came down to Mitzrayim, the hunger stopped. Then later on in, in Tanakh, in Navi, there's a hunger in the days of Eliyahu HaNavi. Shinamar, as it says, Eliyahu Navi says there will be no rain. And that brought about a, a hunger. 
Then Eliyahu's great student, Elisha Hanavi, Shinamar, Vahira of Gadol Bishomron, there was a great hunger in, in the Shomron. Vechad Bimei David, and the name in the days of David HaMelech, Shinamar, Vahira of Bimei David Shalashonim, a three year hunger in the time of David HaMelech. Vechad Bimei Shafot HaShoftim. And then in the days of the, of the judges, of the Shoftim Shinamar, as it says in the beginning of Megillus Rus, Vayihira of Baoretz, there was a hunger in the land. Ve'echad shemisgalgal uba la'olam. Then there's one which is coming. It almost, the word almost means like developing. A hunger is developing. Misgalgel, which will be here la'asid lavo, deceive. So what is this hunger about? It says in Amos, in Trey Osor, Vihishlachti ra'av ba'aretz. Hashem says, I will send a hunger to the land. Lo ra'av la'lechem v'lo'tzoma la'mayim kin lishmoa esdivri Hashem. It will not be a hunger for bread. It will not be a thirst for water, but rather yearning to hear the words of Hashem. That's the final hunger. So those are the ten famines in history that are mentioned in Tanakh. And as the Mephorshim said, there are many more hungers than that, but these were the ones the Torah, Nevim, and Ksuvim bring out, which seems to me to mean that there's some type of central historical event which the Tanakh is pointing out that occurs around these famines. It's not just mentioning a historical fact, it's much more than that. Something very important occurred as a result. So right here, when it comes to Megillus Rus, we know what occurred, Elimelech goes over there to Moab, and that's how Rus comes into Klal Yisrael, which is the forerunner of Mashiach. So it's very central to our, our history and our people. Okay, so again, that's not what the photocopy is on, but I found it something I wanted to share with you because it, it sheds light onto the significance of that hunger in the time of Megillus Rus. Yeah, Elka, please. Ikvisa de Meshicha, right? Sure. It could be. It could very well be. Of people, you know, return to Yiddishkeit. We hope that that's, you know, a simon of Mashiach Sikainu, Bezras Hashem. We have to make sure to continue to do the right things with that inspiration. You know, make sure that, do our best that it's, that not only people who are returning to Yiddishkeit, but all of us have to return to Yiddishkeit. So in that respect, it should be an inspiration, and, and we hope that that's, that's the case. Was there another hand up? Rebson, do you have a hand up? Someone over there I saw a hand up, no? Okay. All right, so now on your handout, um, it's on page, I guess there's only one side, yeah. Okay, so the top of the page, which is letter Hey. So what's happening here is that Naomi tells Ruth and Orpah, her daughters-in-law, go back, you know, go back to your homes. You don't have to come with me. You come from royal families. Go home. Your husbands have died. And she says, it's not possible that I'll have another child and you'll come and marry them when they grow up. You can't wait that long. Just go find a husband and have a happy life. So Orpah leaves, and Ruth wants to stay. And this is what the Megillah is focusing on in this Pasuk. And there's one really 
central word, Vatera, the Naomi sees Kimis Ametzes, that Ruth was very strong. We could even use the word adamant. She was adamant to say, I'm not going back to those people. I'm staying with you. And then this is where the conversion process, the gay Ruth of Ruth, starts to occur. So, Misametzes. And it's from that word that some of the Mephorshim say that we understand that once we tell a person who's not Jewish, who wants to convert, and we have an obligation to push them away for a little bit. This is not necessary. You can be a righteous Gentile. You can fulfill God's will as a non-Jewish person. But if they're strongly, forcefully wanting to do this, then we accept them at the, as the beginning of that process. So, Misa Metzes, that's what Ruth is doing right now. She's demonstrating her full-hearted commitment. He laleches ita, and then she went with her, with Naomi. Now, I'm going to read the next phrase also, and they both went. So, what's that saying? Amar Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Simon. Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Simon says, Come and see how dear and precious converts are, Geirim, to Hashem. How do you see that? Once Ruth had made that conviction within herself to convert, the Kasuv, the Pasuk, equates her to Naomi. So how do you see it's equated to Naomi? Well, one of them before she says the word Ita, with her, that these two ladies are now together. And the other, other Mephorshim look at it from Vatelachna Shtehen. They both went together, biyachad. So what a phenomenal thing. Right? Think about this. Here's Naomi. She's an Isha Chashuva Ma'od. She comes from the greatest family in Kal Yisrael at that time. She's from Shevet Yehuda. Her husband was a very great man, even though unfortunately he went, left Eretz Yisrael and tragedy happened to him. In her family, there are exceptionally great people. Boaz is her cousin, her relative. So here's Naomi, like a, a heritage of greatness. And who's this? Ruth. She's a Moabit. She's a Moabite. She's one step away, you know, from Rishoim. Horrible Rishoim. And this lady, Ruth, decides, I'm going to become a Jew. Mis Ametzes. She's strongly, firmly committed to be a Jew. Hashem sees that. Nusna daita, that she, is con- she has conviction for this. Okay, Hishva HaKosav, you know what? You two ladies, you're the same. You with your 1,000-year uh, tradition of, of Godless, and you with your just becoming a Jew right now, Ita, Shnehen, they're together. So a little bit what I was, you know, alluding to on Anelka's comment that how important it is for us to see other people in a proper light. That an act of greatness, you know, can come out of nowhere. It doesn't have to be from 
an exceptional doros long misore. It can be, can come from that, most certainly of many great people like that, but it also can come from somebody who's brand new. And shtehen, hishva hakasuv, you see how chaviv, how dear and precious they are to Hashem because they go together. So what an important lesson for us, especially in our time, uh, to give strength to everyone that one decision that any person makes can be a decision of phenomenal, great, of phenomenal greatness, which is very dear and precious to Hashem. Um, I'd like to tell you a story. Uh, this is a story of somebody who was converting, and this was quite a few years ago. It's probably about 20 years ago. And the person who this applies to, um, he came from a Murano background. So he had to convert halachically. Uh, his family had not been in the Sora of Claudius Yisrael for who knows how long. But he was a Murano. And they knew that in their family. His mother did certain traditions, lighting candles. So I was working with him, and the time came for him to convert. And we went to the mikvah, myself and two other rabbana, and we asked him the questions that we asked, and then he went under the water. And he was, I was under the water, and we're waiting for him to come up, which usually takes about three seconds. And he was still under the water. And he was under the water. And we're standing there, and he's not coming up. And he was there for a very long time. And we were starting to get a little bit nervous, like maybe we should jump in and say, jump in and get him out. But he, and then we saw some bubbles coming up, so we knew he was okay. So we waited a long time, unusual, unusually long time. And he gets up and he takes a deep breath, like, you know, like this, what are you doing? You're underwater for a long time. So it was very unusual. So a little, a little bit afterwards, after he got himself together, and we were in uh, the lobby there, and we gave him his certificate of Gerus. So I said to him, I hope you don't mind if I ask you this question, and if it's too personal, please don't feel that you have to answer me. So he says, sure, go ahead. I said, you were under the water for a really long time. <laughs> I said, what, what was that about? So he said, I'll tell you what it was about. He said, Rabbi, you know that I'm a Murano, from a Murano background. He says, I'm the first person in my family to convert, the first person to have a halachic conversion in my entire family. He says, I have a very big family. There were sisters and brothers and cousins and uncles and aunts. He said, I was thinking about every single one when I was under the water, that they should also come this way along with me. That's why it took me so long. Were you ever in touch with him? Yes. We stayed in touch. Yes. I just saw him recently. I don't know. But he did, he and his wife do have a child. And Baruch Hashem, you know, a wonderful, wonderful person. So I don't know if the rest of the Mishpacha did or did not, not to my knowledge, they don't live here. His family does not live here, they live in a different country. So I don't know what happened with them. 
but I was extremely moved by his conviction and his thoughts about his mishpacha when he was under the water there. That's kind of what I'm thinking about when I read a midrash like this, you know, nasna daita, that she put her mind to it. This is what she wanted. Hashem saw that in her, and he makes her and Naomi the same. Do the same in my eyes. Great lesson for us. Any comments or uh, questions? Is that Rebson? Yeah, please. It's very different, but it just yeah. reminds me of, yeah, of Avram and Yitzhak by Mekeda. Oh, interesting. Asked, uh-huh. Avraham, where's the idol? And he says, you know, Hashem will show it to me. And then it says that they went off to With Avram and Yitzhak, a similar Lashon by the Akedah, that they both went together, even though Yitzhak now knew he was going to be the Korban. And the only uh-huh. correlation I was thinking made also that Yitz, for Yitzhak is giving up his life. Mm-hmm. For Avram, it's kind of the fulfillment of his mission. And so maybe something similar in terms of Rose is giving up everything, and she's accepting to go with Nami. Mm-hmm. And for Nami, this is hope mm-hmm. that she's taking um, Rose uh-huh. with her. So meaning that Yitzhak is giving up his life literally, and Ruth is giving up her entire previous life right. to change her life. Right. Excellent. Thank you. Linda, yeah, please. Yeah. When someone who is from a Jewish family, like Arana, converts, you know, that we, they already were Jewish in their history, like, they, like, is that a different type of conversion than it's a very good question. Now, see, the problem is that we don't know that they're from a Jewish family because it's been so long that they've not been connected to Judaism. That's why, halachically, they have to undergo a gerus. Yeah, that, in that particular case. But what's that? If you, Mamish, knew that you were Jewish and you had proof, because after that many generations of not being considered Jewish, then you have to bring proof that you're Jews, that you're Jews. So if you, if you mamish found out that you were, then no gerus is necessary. You're a Jew. So now these Murano families, many of them, it's, it's been several hundred years. So they, we don't even know if they're Jewish anymore. Very similar Shiloh with the Ethiopian Jews who came to Eretz Yisrael. So disconnected from Torah, from Halacha for so long, we don't really know Anyway, that was a major controversy in Eretz Yisrael. Right? Do they undergo gerus again? You know, so most of the Gedolei Haposkim said that they require a gerus without a bracha, but nonetheless, a gerus. So these are difficult questions. But because of the doubt, it's shrouded in doubt. The poskim say they have to do that again. If there was no doubt, there's no, there's no gerus. They're Jewish. That doesn't mean anything. Because DNA, so maybe they, somewhere along the way, one of the women in, in the line was not Jewish. So they, they found a Jewish father somewhere in the background. A DNA test is not, is not a proof of Judaism. There could be a non-Jewish mother in there. So who do we need for this? Elio Hanavi. And that's one of the things he's going to do when Mashiach comes. That's what he's going to say. You are, you're not, you are, you're not. You're from this Sheva, you're from that Sheva. He's going to be Mavarer, the Yuchus of Klal Yisrael, Elion Novi. That's what, that's what we need now. Please, Mrs. Isby. Um, I don't know who's been upstairs, it's looking critical. That's 
campaign. Outside. Wow, fantastic. What's the name? The, na the name of the book is called Incredible. Uh-huh. Okay. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Right. Sure. It's fascinating. Oh, okay. Thank you. Okay. But it's it is the first chapter explains how And they could demonstrate it. And which means that they were only mm -hmm. and it's all recorded. It's demonstrated. They have records of it. Right. See, that's what it takes. Yeah. Otherwise, you don't really know if, it, if it's the so many centuries. Really? Yeah, they went and spent wow. hours and hours in the library. Wow. Amazing. And they uncovered Wow. But they were still Gaia. They were still In terms of their behavior. Yeah, their behavior was non Jewish, you're saying. Their lifestyle. Mm -hmm. But they couldn't intermarry with the goat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ah, fascinating. Pig. What's that? It means pig. Right. The word itself, right? Okay, so incredible. Thank you. <laughs> Gail, please. Um, would you comment on how we're doing as a whole and honoring Garen properly? Okay, that's a great question. So Gail, Gail is asking a very important question. Um, how are we doing, Claudius Thoreau? Are we honoring and respecting Gayreem properly? We can do a better job. I know a lot of Gayreem. I'm in contact with a lot of Gayreem over the years. Have been involved in many, many conversions. We can do a better job. Because there's a certain feeling inside of a Gayre, I don't belong. And it's different than a person who was not raised from and became from. That also has its struggles. But this is a different feeling. It's that I don't really belong here. I, I was not raised here. I don't come from this. And what, what that takes is for Claude Yisrael, as a people and as a nation, to embrace with a great deal of love and acceptance people who are gay. Not in an artificial, you know, in, in a real way. Know, to show acceptance and inclusion because we have two mitzvahs. One is the Yahavtalarecha Kamocha, that's Avas Yisro. And there's also a mitzvah of Avas Hagir. And when a person shows love to a gear, it's two mitzvahs I say. It's Avas Yisro and Avas Hagir. It's two. So it's an extra special. And we could, we could do better. Um, and I say that really from personal experience in meeting people who have felt that they're on the outs and they've never really been brought in. Now, I'm not saying this as a broad criticism. There are a lot of people who do a great job with this and really look out for people who are gayrim and try and make them feel at home and comfortable as we should. A lot of people who do a wonderful job. But as a, a community and as a Klal Yisrael, it's something that requires mindfulness. What I mean by that is awareness we can't just assume, oh, you know, they've been in shul for five years and their kids are already in day school and you know, their girls in Besiaco, they're doing fine. They're sitting right down the aisle from me. You can't assume that. Because even though it may look fine, 
there's that feeling inside of wanting to be embraced by Klal Yisrael. And we always have to be aware of that and try and act upon it and make sure that we're giving that over to them. That's, those are my feelings about it. So people who've done tr- tr- tremendous mysterious nefesh um, in order to become a Jew. Yeah, Rebison, please. I think Nomi is a amazing example. Nomi is a great example. Because right? the proof is in the pudding, as they say, and a lot of times you're, yeah, but will they marry? Me? Will they marry? Will, will we allow them to marry, right? And Nomi doesn't just make a shit up for her. Right. She makes a shit up for her with the gut on door. Right. <laughs> right. As Rebison said, not only did Nomi make a shit up for Ruth, but she made a shit up with the gut on door. Right. Who she really was yeah. entitled to marry herself yeah. and could have put herself in that position, right. couldn't she have? Yeah, although she was, she was pretty old at the time, but yeah. And who's going to come yeah. for her? Yeah. What's that? Right. Well, she was there you go, David HaMelech, right? Was she after came? That's what it takes. Yeah, so, you know, such a, it's so moving to think about Naomi and her godless and respect to Ruth and how she brought her in and became the forerunner of Mashiach. That's what it takes, like that level of Ava to really make an Im- a true impact, a real impact. Delia, please. Yeah, why were Nami's sons marrying women who weren't Jewish? Right, so that's a big question. Why did Machlon and Kilion marry Ruth and Orpah? And here's the question. We're not going to hit it today, but I do plan on touching on one of these weeks coming up. Did they convert first or not? It's a Machlokas. It's a Machlokas in the Midrash. And it's a machlokus between Rashi and the Avin Ezra later on in the Rishonim. Some say that Ruth and Orpah did not convert. And therefore, Machlon and Kilion intermarried. Some say that's what happened. Others say they did convert. The, qu- the question on that is very obvious. If they converted, then how come Ruth is converting again later with Naomi? So many Jews do that. Okay, and that's, and that's one of the answers. It's not so different than nowadays, a quasi-conversion, a quasi-gerus, a not-halacha-gerus, so she had to do it again. That's one of the answers. But still it presents this question, so some say yes, some say no. So Gil, back to your question, how could they do that? They shouldn't have done that. They, they intermarried, Zanavera. According to that, they married non-Jewish women. Kelly had a hand up before? We wouldn't marry that person, right? His father was an Ovid of Zora, right? <laughs> Sorry, it's not going to work for us, right? It's not true. It's not true. There you go. And, but, you know, what we're pointing out is that, that that mentality is there. You know, that they're wonderful people, but sorry, not for me. And that's what Plony Almoni does at the end of Megillus Rus. Sorry, she's not for me. And he's, he's looked at with great disrespect uh, by the Fafama, whereas Boaz steps up. It's a big discussion. We touched on it a little bit, right? Important. Okay, now let's do the next one. Let me just check the time here. Okay, we're good. Uh, letter Vav. 
and they both went, both Naomi and Ruth together. So what's happening? They come back, they return to Eretz Yisrael, and this makes a tremendous rush in Klai Yisrael because who is this lady, Naomi? And what has happened to her? She left a queen and now she's a pauper. So what happens? And how come so many people were around and noticed that she came back? Why didn't she just sneak back into town? Um, Rabbi Shmuel Rabbi Simon. Rabbi Shmuel Rabbi Simon says, when did Ruth and Naomi come back? On the second day of Pesach, they returned to Eretz Yisrael. That's the day where you harvest the Omer, which is offered on the second day of Pesach, Tesai and Nisan. The Taninon Tamon, as we learn, all of the surrounding cities and villages, everybody gathers together so that when the Omer is harvested, they make a big celebration out of it. So everybody's there. Naomi, maybe she's trying to sneak back in town, but there are 10,000 people there. And that's Hashgacha, that she has to come in in this way. So that's one opinion. It was a Ketzir HaOmer, and they made almost a type of festival out of the Ketzir HaOmer, so there were lots of people. Second opinion, the Yesh Omrim Ivtsan Hoya Masiyas Binosav Osohayam. Some say Ivtsan, who was one of the Shof team, who had 30 sons and 30 daughters, that he was marrying off his daughters at that time. Lots of Hasanas all at one time. And therefore, there was a tremendous crowd of people there to celebrate with Ivtsan, who was a Gadol And many say that Ivtsan was Boaz. He was son in Boaz. According to many, that's the same person. They did later. This is at this point they're still alive. Mm -hmm. So that's the second. That Hassan is for Ivsan, a big crowd in the town, and Naomi and Ruth walk right into that. Third opinion. Rabbi Tanhuma Bishem Rabbi Yazaria, Rabbi Menachama, Bishem Rabbi Yeshua Bar Ovin. These two Chachamim say, Kesib, it says in Tehillim, Hashem elokates of Akos, Micha Mocha Chasin Ka. Hashem, the God of legions, who is like you? Chasin means like strong, strong one, Hashem. And the rest of that Pasuk refers to Sevivo Secha, the Malachim who are around you and they attest to your faithfulness. So, what does that mean? What are we showing? What kind of praise are we showing to Hashem in this Pasuk and praising Him? That He brings everything about in its proper time. Everything is just the right time. So what happened? Boaz's wife passed away on that day. And all of the Jewish people, because he was the God of Hadur, they came in to do an act of chesed, to show comfort, to be Menachem, uh, Boaz. And they all came to be Gomel Chesed to him. So there's a huge crowd of people there. That's when Naomi and Ruth walked into town. 
So three different ways of seeing this, either Kitsir HaOmer, either the chasanas of his children, or the Misa, the Petira of his wife and her funeral, that brought huge crowds into town. Now also the Meforshim point out as well that it was time, it was just the right moment for Ruth to come on the scene because she's going to marry Boaz. So his wife has passed away and now Ruth comes on the scene. That's all Bahashkacha. So what do you have here? A whole bunch of people, a huge crowd of people, they recognize Naomi and they're in a state of disbelief. So his first wife passed away, and now Ruth is coming on the scene. What happens? The whole city is in a state of shock. Right? So imagine if you see a royal woman, and you remember her from back in the day, and how great she was, and how healthy she was, and now she comes back into town, an emaciated pauper. And the whole town sees this. So they said, Is this the same Naomi whose deeds were so beautiful and, and pleasant? Is this her? She used to go about in, there's a few different um, translations of this words. Some say it means very fine shoes. Others say it means covered wagons, which was a sign of wealth. And now she's walking into town barefoot. She doesn't even have a pair of shoes. So Naomi, and you're saying this is Naomi? Meaning they're, they're in a state of shock. She used to wear silk and fine clothing. Now she wears a smartut. It's a modern Hebrew word too, a rag. Now she wears rags. And you're saying, this is Naomi. In the past, her face was healthy. And it looked ruddy, and like a rouged type look, redness, because she had such fine foods back, back in the day. And now her face is emptied out, it's pale, drawn from hunger. So she, Mamish, came in, a, a, a pauper in the state of hunger. And you say, Hazos Naomi. And you say, this is Naomi. So the shock of the people on the re-entrance of Naomi into the land. Now what is Naomi's response? Vomeris lahen. She says to them, Altikrena li Naomi, karena li mora. Don't call me Naomi pleasant. Call me bitter. Because that's who I am, I'm bitter. Now the before she want to say that this is a spiritual comment that Naomi is making. She feels it's a reflection of herself. She's taking this personally. That it must be my own mice, my own deeds, and my own, my own behavior that have brought me to this low state. Very nice, you think I'm pleasant and righteous, but obviously I'm not. Call me bitter. This is what's happened to me. Bar Kapura Omar. So Bar Kapura makes an example, a metaphor. 
he says, Lepora hediotis. A person's coming to sell a cow, and it's an inferior quality cow. And the owner then takes that animal and he puts it in the marketplace, Omar, and he says, Radionisi. This is a plowing cow. This is an excellent specimen of a plowing cow. Umashfa tolamim tolamim he. And it makes exceptional furrows in the ground. I mean, the people go over and they say, In Radionis, you're calling that a plowing cow? What are all those wounds and lacerations on its body? Why are you calling that? So Nami says similarly, Why are you calling me Naomi? Why are you calling me beautiful? Why are you calling me pleasant? Hashem has already answered me. And Hashem has brought me to this state. So she's taking it as a sign of her own lack of righteousness. Now, in my opinion, that's Naomi's own humility. Um, I don't think in any way, you know, in English it comes across like a comparison to a cow. Like, don't take it that way. You know, it's not, not like Naomi's being compared to a cow. It's a metaphor, you know, of something which appears to be one way, which is very, a very poor quality, and a person is presenting it as of higher quality. That's what Naomi is saying to the people there. So it kind of sets up the scene for us the way Naomi comes back in. And now, just in our own minds, kind of translate that over to Rus. So here's Rus, and she's a new Gioris. She's coming to town. She's coming to town in a way with a person who used to be very important and royal, and now is a starving pauper. That's how Rus makes her entrance into the, into the city. So we're all thinking, oh, you know, Rush, she really has good connections. She's um, married into Naomi's family. They're great Baalayichus. They're phenomenal people. Well, true, but not at that particular moment when they walked into town. Rus was not feeling like, I'm riding high. I'm coming into town with the wife of the, of the great family. She's not feeling that at all. She, look, look how she's arriving. And then one more step there which attests to, to me, both of their greatness, that in a certain way, wouldn't they both have had all the reason to just crawl into a hole and live their life at that way? So embarrassed about coming back? Just go into a little hovel and get enough food to survive. But their conviction and their sense of self and their sense of Jewishness is so strong, and their amun is so strong, it carries them through this very difficult period of time until ultimately Ruth meets Boaz. And we have to remember this chapter here, because we think in our mind, you know, Ruth met Boaz, they got married, David HaMelech, this is a very hard chapter in their lives that led up to that, which really shows us and demonstrates to us the greatness of their character, that they survived this humiliation and lifted themselves upward. Yeah, please, Linda. Yeah. No, Baraz means son of. Yeah, Bar Kapora. It's with a kuf. It sounds like Kapora with a kuf to forgive, but Bar Kapora, which is one of the Chachamim, was mentioned often, but the name is with a kuf. Sounds the same. Comment, Reverend, yeah, please. 
I just want, if it's okay to emphasize. Please. Um, I think you said this, yeah. I just wanted to amplify yeah. anything. I heard this, I, I don't know if it's in the class with Mrs. Rosenbaum mm -hmm. or, um, I can't think of her name right now. Oh, the, woman, the one who tied it short for a while. Yeah. That it was a, not that Hashem needs vindication, but no way making that comment was to say that Hashem didn't do this to her without just cause. She's being matched the dean. Right. They were saying, this isn't fair, this isn't right. This, how could this happen to you, Naomi? Mm -hmm. And she was saying, Hashem is righteous in mm -hmm. his judgment. She's declaring Hashem's righteousness. As a, it's a very good point. As opposed to complaining, right. I'm bitter. She's okay. saying, there's a reason for this. Very good. Thank you. Yeah. Sandy, please. I'm thinking the same thing. Please. Yes. Excellent. It, it really seems like he has that same trait to withstand all of the insults that were part of his life and become one of the greatest uh, people in our history. Thank you. Okay, have a great week, everybody. Great to see you. And all good things. L'chol Yisrael. And on the 70th, I'd like to say, on the 70th birthday of the State of Israel, happy birthday. And we have tremendous hakoras haitov to the Ribbon Shalom that we have, Eretz Yisroh, in our hands. And it should be a land of shalom, al Yisroh, l'orach yamim tovim. I didn't turn it off, I believe that to you. Thank you.